you already know what time it is. Welcome back in to the NFL with AJL episode 28. We are live on a Tuesday. You could have chose any other show or podcast out there and you're right here tapped in with AJL talking about the NFL. Please make sure to like the stream, share wherever you're at, subscribe on YouTube. You know the QR code at the NFL with AJL on all social platforms gives you all the podcast content as well moving on up through the social media world but i couldn't do without the support of you guys hope everyone has had a great week so far as june is literally passing us by father's day coming sunday shout out to my dad shout out to my lady's dad shout out to all the fathers out there putting in the work to raise the sons raise the daughters but uh we'll talk about father's day next week on the show as well guys we got a packed packed show tonight again get in the comments get in the chats let me know what you're feeling tonight. Dalvin Cook was officially cut by the Minnesota Vikings. DeAndre Hopkins visited the Titans and the Patriots, which was kind of a confusing move. You know I'm going to continue to talk about the NFC West record predictions. And Chase Young might be on the trade block as well. The Browns dropped. Maybe the best NFL logo that's out right now. We got so much to get into on the show today. Love you guys. Need you guys. Happy to have you guys in on the show this evening and let's go ahead and jump right into it as i mentioned that dalvin cook was cut by those minnesota vikings and when i first saw this come across the way i was like okay you know we saw it come in there were some talks about they might be looking to cut dalvin cook and they cut him due to the cap space really at the end of the day signed a massive five-year 63 million dollar well-deserved contract in 2020 and he would have been an undrafted free agent in 2026 and again you look at what devon or not devonta you look at what dalvin Cook has done for the Minnesota Vikings that's coming into the league, having a nose for the end zone. Yes, he's dealt with the injuries, but I don't think that's enough to truly discount him and say that he can't provide for a team. He can't go into a Super Bowl roster and really put them over the hump. But you also have to draw back and take a look at why would Minnesota really cut in a league back like Dalvin Cook, looking at his numbers, knowing his skills, knowing the contributions to the Vikings. And not only are the Vikings, but the entire NFL a pass first and really a pass happy team now. And speaking of the Vikings specifically, you got Justin Jefferson, who's going to need to get paid. You've also got Jordan Addison, who was picked in the draft as well. My number one receiver coming into the draft. Kirk Cousins is going to be very comfortable with him. He should have made my top five new quarterback wide receiver duos, but I feel like Kirk and Jetta's one that was already not a new one, but two, still going to be a bigger connection than Kirk and Jordan Addison. And again, like much of the NFL, it's a pass first league. So when you look at this move by the Vikings and you look at how the NFL is devaluing the running back position second by second, game by game, contract by contract, season by season, however you want to cut the pie, running backs are not valued nearly what they were even three years ago, five years ago, seven, ten years ago. Alexander Madison is the running back that's in that room. Now, they also drafted McBride in the NFL draft as well. You know, Alexander Madison is good enough, really, for what Minnesota needs out of a running back right now. I mean, yes, he might not be a Dalvin Cook that could find the end zone 10 to 15 times a year and rush for 14 to 1,600 yards and be the best running back in the NFL on any given day. And that can kind of go, you know, for, for other running backs and multiple teams in the league. But Alexander Madison presents enough of a presence to where Minnesota's like, look, you signed a five-year, $63 million deal. You were making $16 million a year. I believe that's the math. Um, you know, as a running back, Christian McCaffrey, I don't believe is making that. I think he's making close to that. Aaron Jones just had to restructure his contract. Again, we see the NFL devaluing the running back position. We see the contracts dwindling more and more and more. And this is why we have discussions of NFL running backs are the most replaceable position in the sport and maybe in sports in general. I don't want to get too deep into that conversation, 
But it sucks when you, you see guys like Saquon Barkley not being able to get a deal. Aaron Judge had to restructure and go cheaper, even though he's well worth it with the Packers. Dalvin Cook is cut. NFL running backs are not being able to drive their true value to a team because the NFL is such a pass happy league. You look at the Chiefs, you look at the Bills, you look at the Dolphins. Them having a running back is really just a plus, but it's not the entire sauce to their whole game plan that they're becoming, they're going to, excuse me, be coming into the NFL season with. Big part of this cut as well is, like I mentioned earlier, Justin Jefferson is going to be the highest paid receiver in the NFL once he signs the contract and might be the most highest paid receiver in NFL history. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. He's a very humble kid. I love his style. love the way he plays the game. Seems like he really gives back to where he comes from. But knowing that Justin Jefferson has a payday coming up, knowing that Kirk Cousins could potentially be heading out next year, which would be more cap space, knowing that Dalvin Cook was cut, you got to back up the Brinks truck. You don't have to back up the Brinks truck Brinks truck, excuse me, for Justin Jefferson, but you do have to pay him well. I don't believe he's going to command $30 million like Tyree killed it. That was one of the biggest contracts we've seen. But if Justin Jefferson's coming in making $23 to $27 million a year as an NFL wide receiver, and the Vikings want to lock him up for the next four to six years, you could really see that happen. And that is a major part of what Dalvin Cook, a piece of what Dalvin Cook was taking up. And again, the more things like this happen, the more that this shows the running back position, even if you're elite, even if you're contributing, even if you can play well in the playoffs, I get it. Everybody wants to jump on the recency bias. Dalvin Cook's been hurt. We don't want any part of him. I just talked about it on the last show. Dalvin Cook's got 10 teams. By the way, goof real bad. Saints do have Jamal Williams. They do have, um, of course, Kamara is there, and I, I believe there's another running back in the room. They, they did draft a running back. So y'all hopped all over me in those comments. Definitely my bad. That's what I get for going Saints bias. But take out the Saints. Nine teams in the NFL should be making a call for Dalvin Cook, should be looking to you know, pick him up, sign him, however they have to cut the pie. There are nine teams in the NFL that could use him, and maybe even more. Those are just the nine that jumped out to me. For my opinion, doing the show, doing the analytics for everything, there's a big market for Dalvin Cook. He was cut by the Minnesota Vikings. The payday's coming up for Justin Jefferson, and the running back position will continue to devalue, depreciate, like a bad asset, like a negative bank account. And I hate it. I hate it. I really, really do. What's up, Dwayne Marcus, a.k.a. Goat Talk Pod? Good to see you, man. Legend. Browns logo. Absolutely. Three teams that could absolutely use the services of Cook. Buffalo, Miami, Ravens. Want to say I put all them on there. Rams could also use Cook services. I'm doing NFC West record predictions, man. The Rams. Oh, I, I I had to give him some love. <laughs> I had to give him some love because I could see that team um, winning less than seven games this year. I'll just say that because I don't want people to unsubscribe for what is going to seem like hatred for the Rams. But good to see you in, man. Let's get on a show soon. I know I fell out of the community a little bit, just been uh, doing a lot of solo shows, grinding it out. But good to see you in the chat, man. So Vikings fans, if you're a team or if you're a fan of a team that's looking to get Dalvin Cook, get in the comments. Let me know what you think about Dalvin Cook being cut by the Vikings. Where should he go? I've already given you all my market for Dalvin Cook. And speaking of a market for another NFL player, Chase Young, we know he had his fifth-year option denied by the Washington Commanders. Defensive rookie of the year when he was drafted. I think he was the number two overall pick. Best pass rusher in the draft. Some people said he was the best player in the draft. And Chase Young still has a lot in the tank, but the injuries... Some of the nagging, you know, uh, injuries that have you know happened with him with the Commanders, they didn't like what they saw. Maybe the team's moving in a different direction, and and this is a defensive powerhouse team. This is a Washington Commanders team that really has been 
good, if not great, in the NFL in terms of defense. So for them to not pick up the fifth-year option on the defensive rookie of the year in that class, like I said, some thought he was the best player. He was easily the best pass rusher in the class and, you know, coming in and and everything. Yes, brother, let's absolutely set it up. I would love to have you, man. Hope you have a great night. All right, Chase Young is on the market. So let's talk about Chase Young destinations. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk about trade packages, but just destinations. First team off the top here, the Detroit Lions. We know they take Aiden Hutchinson. I had been saying in the NFL draft they should have taken more defensive line because even with taking Aiden Hutchinson, who was, I think, a number two overall pick in that draft, just like Chase Young was in his respective year, they still weren't able to stop the run. They had the worst defense in the league last year. They were dead last in the NFL, I want to say, in defensive rush yards per game. So you bring Chase Young in. I understand he's coming off of the injuries. I understand the production hasn't been great. But you have Dan Campbell, who seems to be you know decent with younger players, molding players. He's a player's coach, great energy. That's what Chase Young would need. He'd be in a new city. He would still be in the NFC, but he'd go to a different division, have the chance to chase after Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, and um, uh, Justin Fields. I mean... There you go. You know, you'd have a a decent selection, I'd say. I mean, quarterbacks love to get after, or uh, pass rushers love to get after whatever quarterbacks they can, but it'll be a good fit for Chase Young. Going to go with the Saints as well because they only really have Cam Jordan, Brian Brissy. I know they're looking to bring in more defensive linemen. I know they're looking to bring in more defensive, uh, really just defensive linemen in general, whether it's the interior, the edge rusher. But when you look at the Saints' depth chart, they don't have a lot to work with as Caden Ellis does leave. Marcus Davenport did leave. They lose David Onyemata as well. And the Saints being able to land a young player in Chase Young would almost feel like a replacement for Cam Jordan. I'm not saying he has Cam Jordan-like characteristics, but the chance to be an elite pass rusher just like Cam Jordan has been, the chance to play great on the edge just like Cam Jordan has, the chance to really prove yourself in New Orleans, the chance to prove yourself with the Lions, you know, you can either be that side it's the that 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 counterpart or counterpiece to Aiden Hutchinson or be the replacement essentially to Cameron Jordan in New Orleans. Think it'd be a great fit. Saints need it. They can make it happen. Minnesota Vikings. This is a team that's defense has not impressed me over the last few years. And, you know, they lose Patrick Peterson. He goes to the Steelers. Um, was it Daniil Hunter or is Daniil Hunter still there? Let me check. Is Daniil Hunter still? I feel like he went somewhere. No, he's still there. I think he was thinking about thinking about bailing. Let me see that Viking step chart, though. I want to be want to make sure I'm accurate on my P's and Q's as I'm going through. This segment. So you got Harrison Phillips, you got Daniil Hunter, Brian Osamoa, Marcus Davenport. Um, you know, of course, you still have Harrison Smith as a safety, but you're really looking for some nice defensive presence. And it would be a nice compliment to Daniil Hunter or maybe a Brian Osamoa, Marcus Davenport coming over from the New Orleans Saints. I forget that the Saints even lose him as well. So they could really use Chase Young in that aspect. Or, or maybe I did say, uh, no, I, I actually don't think I did say Marcus Davenport, but bringing in Chase Young, young player would really benefit this defense for the Minnesota Vikings. They're a team that if they can bring in this type of pass rusher, no, it's not going to elevate them to the playoffs, but it could win them another game or two. It could become a critical play from Chase Young to make this a success. The Jacksonville Jaguars, being able to put Chase Young next to Josh Allen of the Jaguars. Josh Allen just recently said he didn't feel like he was good enough. The Jaguars, I think, were in the bottom seven or eight teams of the league, maybe even bottom five in terms of sacks, um, you know, sacks given to the offense. 
So they they were not great at sacking the quarterback last year. Bringing in Chase Young, Doug Peterson just clearly showed us how he can mend Trevor Lawrence after the horrible outing from Urban Meyer. He could do that for Chase Young as well, buy into him, um, you know, just really believe in him, build that game plan for him, not even make him a rotational piece, but a guy who's going to be on that defensive line. The Jaguars, they're coming up. A lot of people think they're going to be great this year. I'm one of them having them win in 12 games. Trevor Lawrence looking to be elite, be a hell of a move. The Chicago Bears as well might not be an ideal one, but Chicago bringing in Tremaine Edmonds. They also bring in um, TJ Edwards, so they have a really nice linebacking core now. They do bring in some secondary help. And if you brought Chase Young in, we do know that they lose Khalil Mack. He goes to the Raiders now with the Chargers. Chase Young could be that real cornerstone pass rushing piece. Chase Young could be that young player that the you know Bears want to rally around, whether it's the fans, whether it's the defense. I mean, he could turn into an eventual captain for that team because when you're taking a look at the depth chart, I mean, yes, you do have, like I said, TJ Edwards, Jermaine Edmonds, but outside of that, I mean, I like Jaquan Brisker. I like Eddie Jackson. I like Tyreek Stevenson. You know, those are all secondary guys. I would really enjoy to have Chase Young Having Chase Young as a Chicago Bear, seeing Chase Young as a Chicago Bear, it would be huge. I mean, that would be a great, great defensive presence. Maybe bringing him in on a one-year prove-it deal. Justin Fields looking to mesh with some people. Of course, that's different sides of the ball there. A lot of opportunity here. The Panthers as well. Yes, there's Brian Burns. Yes, there's other decent defensive players. But who else would really be able to commandeer this it's so funny as i say commandeer because that's where chase young is coming from who would really be that standout defensive player if chase young wasn't here you know i mean yes there is a shy tuttle there is brian burns of course shaq thompson um you know a lot of respectable people on that depth chart but you put chase young in there he's going to compliment well you know henry anderson he could jump in for henry anderson um you know Derek brown brian burns shaq thompson shy tuttle those are solid Solid pieces. Brian Burns, more than likely that best pass rusher. But you bring in Chase Young, a lot of opportunity, a lot of chance to respark his career. And Carolina could be sneaky good next year. You know, Carolina might not be good going into their bye week. I don't remember what I had the prediction as. Carolina might not be good early on. Carolina might not be good in the middle of the season, but towards the back part of the middle of the season and the entire back half, Carolina could really be a team that's just sneaky competitive that, yes, they might only win six or seven games, but if you watch all their games, they could be competitive. They have Bryce Young. They have Adam Thielen. They have Miles Sanders. They have DJ Chark. They have Hayden Hurst. You know, they have, um, why do I always get these guys mixed up? They have Frank Wright. You know, Shane Steichen's with the Colts. Frank Wright used to be with the Colts. Y'all see me struggling here? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to line all these people up. They have Frank Wright to lead. So Chase Young being in there, Frank Wright, awesome coach, might be the head coach. Yeah, he might, or he is a head coach, might not be dealing a lot with the defense, but Chase Young would be a great spot here, uh, or the Panthers would be a great spot for Chase Young. The Chargers, and this might not be one that's ideal to some people because they need help. We've seen the Derwin Jameses and the, and the Boses of recent years being hurt, and we know that that's been a thing with Chase Young as well. But bringing in, again, Chase Young next to a Bosa, they did just bring in Eric Kendricks, which was solid. I believe they did lose Drew Tranquil. That might have went to the Vikings. I, I, I do my best mentally to, 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 to keep the mental notes of all the players hopping around, just all the research for 
for the show. But this will be another solid spot here. I've got the Ravens, too. We know that they lose Calais Campbell. They do have Odafe away, and they do have a couple of other pieces on that defense. But Chase Young, what you really get from Chase Young is I feel like you get a motor that won't necessarily give out. Yes, the injuries aren't aren't ideal, but when he's at his peak, he he can be the best in the league. He can be top five. He can be top three. Yes, we might not have necessarily seen that from Chase Young in recent years, but his rookie year was very promising, and there was a reason that he won defensive rookie of the year. I mean, outside of, you know, you got Roquan Smith, of course, you got Odafi away, uh, Michael Pierce, Project Washington, Justin Matabuki. So you do have some players on that defensive roster that Chase Young can mesh with. I mean, you talk about some veterans out there. Roquan Smith could really mend him. Patrick Queen is a younger player in the league that can also kind of kind of vibe with him as as well. The New York Giants putting Chase Young potentially next to a guy like Dexter Lawrence. And knowing the season that the Giants just had, Coach of the Year and Brian Dable, the big, big contract, big, big contract because of who it goes to, in Daniel Jones that they pay for. They've got Leonard Williams. They got a Kayvon Thibodeau, Bobby Okariki as well. So again, another defensive line that could use a Chase Young to be that best player, to be that star, to be that potential captain. And, and I know it might be pushback because he can't maybe be that as soon as he comes back from injury. But he's again, he has that potential in him. And then the last team here is going to be the Seattle Seahawks. We know Pete Carroll loves him a good good defensive player. He's a defensive player guy. He's a player's coach. I don't care what anyone says. Pete Carroll listens to his players. He might not have made the best things cook for Russell Wilson, but when you're talking about bringing him in, working with a Draymond Jones, working with a Jordan Brooks, of course they bring in Bobby Wagner. Those are guys that you can supplement in the pass rushing game, um, but also you know those guys that I just mentioned, drop, drop them back into coverage as well, but we know the culture that's in Seattle. We know how Pete Carroll loves his defensive players. And and anybody that's going to pick up Chase Young, I'll go ahead and say this, anyone that's going to pick up Chase Young, bring him in on a prove-it deal because I believe he wants to have that prove-it deal now that the team that drafted him didn't even pick up his fifth-year you know, fifth option and he was defensive rookie of the year. So I, I, I think, you know, when you look at... Um, what Chase Young is going to provide for a team, he could really be a steal. I mean, you're talking about a kid that could have double-digit sacks next year, and I don't think that's too much to say. But we see guys, you know, top, top, top pass rushers in the league, 15 sacks, 16, 19 sacks, and Chase Young can hit that level within the next two years coming off of injury. So Commanders fans, how are you feeling about Chase Young being on the market? All the teams that I just mentioned here, Seahawks, Saints, Giants, this, that, and the third. Where would you like to see Chase Young go? Didn't talk about trade packages, but I did discuss destinations for Che. I almost said Trey Young. Chase Young. This has been episode 28 of the NFL with AJL. Yeah, could have been anywhere else in the world. Ton of other podcasts and shows out there. So thank you for taking some time to listen to the podcast tonight. Please make sure to like and share the stream no matter where you're watching. You're always the best about subscribing on YouTube, the QR code, or at the NFL with AJL. Go ahead and punch that in in social media. Scan that with your phone. It's every bit of content. Leave us a review on podcast platforms. Please engage with us any possible way on social media. Tell me what you want to see on the show. And as always, we are sponsored by Buy and Sell with AJL for all your worldwide professional 
real estate needs, whether you're looking to buy a home, sell a home, or invest in real estate, make sure to get at Buy and Sell with AJL on all social media platforms. Drop your email in the comments or get at them on social media to get on their exclusive monthly newsletter that gives you the true facts about the real estate market. And if you want to take advantage of their AI systems, drop your email, drop your home address or property address that you want some juicy details about, and they'll make sure to get that sent over your way. Now, we had some talks of, weirdly, DeAndre Hopkins visiting the Titans or the Patriots. And I, I'm going a, I'm to a need a sip of water before we get into this interesting storyline. This is your sign. If you've been thinking about getting a water filter, get one. I got one about a year ago. Uh, they're not cheap. Spent about seven grand financing it, ease payment. But, dude you don't realize how dirty your water is. This filtered water right here, you don't realize how dirty your water is until they come out and test it. Bro, whoo, nothing like filtered water. All right, that was the shameless filtered water plug. DeAndre Hopkins has visited with the Patriots and the Titans. And first thing I think about is, okay, DeAndre Hopkins goes on I Am Athlete. Oh, I want to play with Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and um, hell, of course, I'm drawing. I'm like, oh yeah, Josh Allen. And Jalen Hurts. Nowhere did I hear Ryan Tannehill or Malik Willis or Will Levis or Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. I, I didn't hear any of those names. So when I hear that DeAndre Hopkins is looking to visit with the Patriots or has visited the Patriots and the Titans or some thinking it's a done deal to the Titans, don't know why it would be. Because not only did he on the I Am Athlete podcast say, I want to play for those five quarterbacks or five teams, have those guys throw the ball to me. I want to go to a team. That's possibly ready to win a Super Bowl. I want to go to a team that's got a solid organization and leadership. I want to go to a team that has a veteran quarterback and is not a young, unproven guy. So I know we didn't hear the likes of Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers mentioned, but that's okay. This is DeAndre Hopkins' personal top five. And I did on the show recently rank the five teams. Do think the Chiefs would be the best one that would just secure them back to really secured them back to the Super Bowl, but it is what it is. So would either of these teams actually suit DeAndre Hopkins? And you know, I think the Patriots would be the better fit for the roster because you know, I, I guess I'd slightly take Mac Jones over Ryan Tannehill in terms of just recent performances, but it's really kind of iffy because Ryan Tannehill was never that great. He just had lightning in a bottle for maybe a full 16-game span at the most. Uh, but y'all you, you know how I feel. It's really kind of Baker Mayfield, Ryan Tannehill had the same lightning in a bottle thing and just really never been the same since they had those, you know, peaks of of their career. So you could, you know, you could say that about Ryan Tannehill. The Patriots, but uh excuse me, the Patriots, you know, roster with the, you know, uh running back room they're trying to establish with the defense that is there, um, you know, with the wide receivers that they brought in, with Mike Gasecki coming in as a tight end, uh, with Bill Belichick being a coach there, still being one of the best coaches in the NFL, had to give respect to him in my rankings. The Patriots would be the better fit for the roster because when you look at the Titans who have going two and fifteen this year, maybe I could have been a little more generous because I, I, I again I damn near wanted to put the Rams with less than seven wins for the season, and I believe that Mike Vrabel. You could argue I can't even remember, of course, where I put Vrabel and Bill in my rankings. They were both in there. I want to say Bill was over him, um, so you could really have the tit for tat of okay, which one's better. Bill Belichick or Mike Vrabel. If you're looking for a foreseeable future, longer term, probably Mike Vrabel. 
But if you're looking for a team that, uh, or not even team, if you're looking for a coach that has built a dynasty, won Super Bowl, it's clearly going to look at Bill Belichick. But again, with both of these teams, the, the Patriots are not going to make the playoffs this year. They are, at best, the third best team in their division. And I believe they're easily going to be the fourth best team in the division this year. They're going to place last. I can't remember off the top of my head what the record prediction was, but I know it's out on the channel for you guys. And I put the research and dug into the numbers there for you. And then you look at the Titans. <laughs> I mean, what, what are we doing? You want Ryan Tannehill, Malik Willis, or Will Levis to throw to you? Mm, that's pretty suspect quarterback room. Or it's going to be Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi. Just don't see either of these teams. These teams combined aren't even winning 10 games. And D-Hop said he wants to play. I mean, all of D-Hop's standards and stipulations he put out on the I Am Athlete podcast are not translating to these visits. They're not translating to the interest that is reportedly being drawn from him. And maybe it's the money. I don't believe it's about the money because DeAndre Hopkins has been in the league for about a decade, like I've said before. He has made plenty of money. He has been the best receiver in the league for a stretch, could still be the best receiver in the league if he wanted to, at least top five, you know, on his best days. Um, so wh wh why why the Patriots? Is Bill Belichick that much of a convincing factor for you? It can't be because they just brought Mike Kazicki over and now they have Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, Lord. <laughs> um, is the Derrick Henry fiasco really that worth it? Is Derrick Henry even going to be a Titan? This year, Ryan Tannehill has now had two quarterbacks in the last two years who have arguably, I'm not saying they were, but were arguably top two or top three at their position in the draft. I think Malik Willis was QB1 coming in. Will Levis, I didn't have him above, um, you know, Richardson, Young, or Stroud. But he's had his replacements drafted. So, D-Hop, you know that you're going to be walking into a horrible quarterback situation. Quarterback situation, like I said, might be better with Mac Jones because he's won 12 games as a rookie. Bailey Zappi tried to supplement decently for him. But there's already rumors about Mac Jones being moved on as well. So I'm hoping the reports are not true. I'm hoping the reports are, <coughs> I mean, I'm not going to say fake because I don't like fake news, but I just hope the reports don't end up. Um, dude, I don't care about cryptocurrency investments. Can I like get this off of here? Can I remove this from the chat? Add to block list and restream chat. You know, unfortunately, I'm going to do that, man, because I don't care about getting spammed for crypto. You're dropping links in my chat. You're not even commenting about my show. How dare you? I want to buy no Bitcoin. <laughs> but yes, guys, um, there's just a lot of instability in terms of rosters. Maybe not so much coaching, but rosters in these two teams. I, just, I don't get it. I, I don't understand. D-Hop. And, and we he hired an agent too, right? He hires an agent. Didn't really know about the whole fiasco around that, but he does hire the agent. I know he wants to be represented well. And I believe that agent should really be narrowing it down to the Chiefs, the Bills, and uh, the Ravens. Realistically, I think those should... Sorry, guys. My eyes are itching so bad. I think those should realistically be the teams that um, DeAndre Hopkins is is going to be going for. Because those are just going to be the best fits. Again, Mahomes has no wide receiver one. Yes, there's Kelsey. Yes, there's Andy Reid. Yes, he's Mahomes. But bring him in. You know D-Hop would want to come there. You know that you could get him on a cheaper deal. Just talk with him. Negotiate with him. I mean, it's 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 the Kansas City Chiefs. Make it happen if he wants to be there. Uh, same thing with the Ravens. You need a receiver. Same thing with the Bills. You need a wide receiver, too. Or the Ravens need a wide receiver, too. 
Let's make it happen, y'all. I want to see D-Hop in a uniform. I want to see him suited up because he's been cut and he deserves to be with an NFL team. No doubt about it. Now, the Broncos are continuing their offseason building by acquiring Frank, excuse me, Frank Clark. And I've already said the Broncos are going to be a team that makes the playoffs next year. They're going to surprise a lot of people. Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, Mending, blah, blah, blah. I've said it probably 20 times, and I haven't even had the show started back up for six months yet. Um, you know, so you've, you, we've seen what they've done, and we know what the quarterback and coaching duo are going to bring out of each other. We know what the defense is capable of with them being elite, with them having a PS2, with them having Justin Simmons, um, you know, Sean Payton, Frank Clark, Samaj P. Ride, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, you know, the last two players for the offensive line. Great draft class. Love the JL Skinner pickup. Love the Marvin Mims pickup as well. Keep sleeping on Denver. You guys keep sleeping on the Denver Broncos. Keep thinking that the Chiefs and the Chargers are just going to roll away with it. And there's not going to be any possible way that three people from the AFC West can make the playoffs. We really act like Russell Wilson is completely washed after one season. One season, we think, y'all think, a legendary quarterback is washed. Maybe he's not legendary to you guys. His talent is legendary. What he's done for teams is legendary. Is his recent memory and play legendary? No. And this is why everybody wants to push him off the cliff, sell the stock, burn the jersey, forget about it, whatever you guys want to do. Go ahead and be that ignorant. Go ahead and close the chapter on the Denver Broncos. Go ahead and believe that the defense is not going to be what it was. And I'm not even a Broncos fan. Yes, I'm a Sean Payton fan. Saints fan over here. I saw what he firsthand and single-handedly did to the franchise for the franchise. But don't act like because Russell Wilson has the worst season of his career under a rookie head coach who doesn't even make it, <laughs> is now a coordinator for the same quarterback he just came from because he fell back into the comfortability of being a coordinator. And I'm not blasting Nathaniel Hackett. I'm clearly a podcaster, not an NFL coach for a reason. But he didn't get a second head coaching gig for a reason. 50% on Russ, 50% on. Nathaniel Hackett. But, you know, and I'm, I'm going to get to the point about Frank Clark. I just, I love the offseason moves that they're having here. I love what the Broncos are building. I love what they're believing in. I love what they are elevating in terms of their game. I mean, I think the defense is going to be even better this year. I think the pass offense is going to be much better this year. Samaj P. Ryan's going to be a very valuable piece in this offense. Sean Payton's going to know how to use everyone and everything very well. And it's it's going to be truly fun. The Broncos are one of my most exciting teams to watch this year. Now, when you look at what Frank Clark's going to bring to this team, he does provide, provide consistent pressure. He does get to the quarterback and, you know, get sacks when he needs to. He can come up in big games. But when you look at his pass rush win rate, which was last season, he ranked, ranked around middle of the pack. PFF keeps track of those numbers. So he's definitely going to be a rotational piece on Denver's elite defense. And, ooh, I feel like I might have to sneeze. I be, I think this might be the first time ever I've had to sneeze on the show. It's going to happen? No, I don't think it is. It probably will end up happening. But they're continue to, continuing to build in the offseason by bringing in Frank Clark. Just all the players that they've made moves for. 
I mean, Sean Payton spending the money. Sean Payton spends one year off, comes in, and is really going to turn this team around. I think we're going to see an exact replica of what happened in New Orleans when they were so bad. And the Broncos just played like the worst team in the league. Literally had the worst offense at, I think, 14 points per game. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. So Broncos fans, get in the chat. Get in the comments. Let me know how you're feeling about Frank Clark now becoming a Denver Bronco alongside the new Sean Payton move. Shamaj P. Ryan, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers. Great draft class. Keep sleeping on Denver. Keep sleeping on Denver. Because if Denver wins... No, I don't think they'll win the division. If they did, though, it would be a little shocking, but they have the pieces to do it. You can argue that their roster might be better than Kansas City's. Not by much, but it can at least hang with it. And that's why I believe with the divisional games, we haven't predicted the AFC West. We just did the, well, we're doing the NFC West today, so AFC West will be next week. But I'm I'm, I'm telling you, the Broncos are going to be special next year. They're going to have a good offense. The defense has been there for years. They're going to have stable coaching for their quarterback. Yes, their quarterback just came off of a horrible year. Yes, it was all the money that they just paid. Yes, they're looking for an exit strategy. So there's a lot of damn pressure this year. A lot of damn pressure on Russell Wilson because he could be playing for his job. But Broncos fans, let me know what you think about Frank Clark being acquired by the Denver Broncos. Again, this is episode 28 of the NFL with AJL. Please make sure to like and subscribe wherever you may be watching the show at the NFL with AJL on all social media platforms. This QR code here will give you every bit of content for the podcast. And if you can't find me on podcast platforms, you simply not look in hard enough. I'd love to follow you guys back on social media. Love to message you guys back, reply to your comments, whatever the case may be. And I mentioned earlier that the Cleveland Browns dropped their new logo. We've seen some logo redos in the past, but this one was really special. This one was really special because the Cleveland Browns, for this, they decided... Oh, here comes the sneeze, I think. (coughs) Ooh. Ooh, that was rough. Ooh, that was rough. All right, let me zoom in here a little bit. I don't really like having to pull this off this way, but I felt like it was the the best way to do it. All right, so can you guys see that? That is the outline, or they kind of graded out there in a way. Sorry, guys. They kind of graded out there in a way, uh, you know, so you could see, or outlined it so you could see the certain parts. And then here is the logo there. So you can kind of just get a comparison of, of really what you're looking at. Okay. So the Browns dropped the new logo. And first and foremost, this logo is so sick. Uh, 10 out of 10. The specifics of the logo are crazy. I'd love to see this type of trend continue through the NFL. This could be really big. Quick plug. I think her name is like Emily Morgan Creates. She redesigns NFL logos on Instagram and does absolutely crazy things with them. Makes it look like they can be on hats, um, you know, jerseys, memorabilia, whatever you want it to be. 
And I want to say she actually put in a bid for this Cleveland Browns logo competition. I know it was a member of the Cleveland Browns on the inside of the franchise and then a member or a fan of the Cleveland Browns that also won this. Don't know who exactly the fan was, but they unveiled it just yesterday, dropped on the Pat McAfee show. He got to look at the new logo. That was pretty sick. That's actually how I figured out about it. Like I said, 10 out of 10, absolutely zero complaints about the Browns' new logo. I mean, it just looks mean. It looks tough. It looks like what the Browns are trying to turn into. Really, it does. I mean, you think about it's been a football helmet, and the Browns have been the laughing stock of the NFL for the last 20 years. I mean, they really have. Outside of the one season that they had where Baker possibly almost took them to the AFC Championship game, it hasn't been anything really since. Multiple starting quarterbacks, multiple number one picks, the first winless season in NFL history under Hugh... um, under Hugh Jackson, shout out to him. He did come on the show when I was the What Off Season Sports Podcast. He actually said losing that job was one of the hardest things that ever happened to him in his life because he understood what the roster actually was. And he just didn't feel like he really got a, a fair break from, from really what he walked into and what he inherited and, and how things played out. I mean, the front office, the organization, I, I kind of understood what he meant. You know, again, just a podcaster, not a not an NFL coach, but giving my two cents. So let's talk about the specifics of the Cleveland Browns logo. Again, shared it here on the screen for you guys so you could see everything. So the state of Ohio, if you see that in the top left, this highlight in the top left corner of the mighty Bull Mastiff's right ear is in the shape of Ohio where the Browns have called home for over 75 years. So tribute to the city there. There's a football, which is the nose of the dog. It's in the shape of a football. And just like the dog pound, the mascot has a nose for the game. There's the east end zone, which is the outline of the Cleveland Municipal Stadium, which makes up the design of the tag, paying homage to the city by forming a C and the origin of the dog pound with a highlighted east end zone. There's a guitar pick that's at the center of the tag. It's a nod to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I believe is in Ohio as well. You have the collar featuring eight spikes specifically, evoking intensity in their form and tradition and number, with the Browns finishing champions eight times in their history. So I guess that's division champions. You have the Guardian Bridge. Cleveland's Hope Memorial Bridge makes up the space below the Jaws. I guess the Jaws. Fortifying the bond between fans, team, and city. You have the Pound Helmet, which is another nod to the original 1980s Dog Pound. The iconic maskless helmet shell worn by Browns faithful at games is hidden in the top right highlight. And then the helmet stripe is a nod to the iconic feature. The logo features a center stripe that adorns the classic Browns helmet. I mean, when you just, when you look at this logo, I mean, what a redesign. You literally go, and and if you guys don't know what the Browns logo was before this, you're not missing anything. It was literally an orange helmet. And now they have represented something that says the dog pound going to take this off the screen here. So I, cause I know it's a little bit of an outline, pull the lower third back up. That's the new logo that they just went to. And I'm just, I'm proud of Cleveland because again, I think this really resembles what they're building, what they're pushing to. You bring in Deshaun Watson, who's a quarterback that can still play at a high level. You get Amari Cooper. You're still working with Nick Chubb. You're trying to build up the defense. I love the draft classes over the last couple of years. Um, Kevin Stefanski's there. He switches the team around. This team is primed to win a Super Bowl within the next three to five years. And if the Browns go to the AFC Championship, I'm not shocked. 
they're playing in maybe the toughest division in football because the Bengals, the Steelers, the Ravens, or the Browns can win that division. Yes, I said the Steelers as well. They're very well coached. They're actually pretty loaded. If they had a solid quarterback, you'd be sold on them as well. If the Steelers had Geno Smith, you'd be sold on them. I know you would. It's just not the quarterback position that's attractive. But again, if the Browns made a run this year, I'm not shocked. I've believed in them ever since they picked up Deshaun and said, hey, look, I'm not a fan of the I'm not a fan of the contract, right? The contract's not sexy. That was a desperate move from really a desperate franchise. And I don't mean to, to, to say anything bad about Cleveland, but they're not a team that is thought the best. Again, they've had multiple number one picks. They literally went winless in an NFL season. They went 0-16. So we've seen that it's been tough. We've heard of the grimy things that have possibly come out of the organization. We know that they haven't won a lot of football games, the laughing stock over the last 20 years. But when you bring in a logo like that, dude, I mean, that's hard. It really reminds me of when the Bulldogs redid their logo, and it kind of looks similar actually looking at it now. There's a lot of resemblance, you know, but it's the dog pound. It's the dog pound. It's the damn dog pound for the Cleveland Browns. It was a dog made for the dog pound, made by the dog pound. It is great. I mean, it's 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 great. 10 out of 10. Love the spikes. Love the colors. Um, and I'll be honest with you. You know, we have some teams out there like the Niners. And these fan bases are probably going to come from my neck because four of these five are huge-ass fan bases. The Niners. I'll go ahead and stop sharing my screen. The Niners. It's just an SF. I get it. The gold miners. A 49er. Digging for gold. I get all that. But it's literally just an SF. If the Browns can go from a helmet to this, the Niners can change. The Giants. I get it. It either says NY on the helmet or it says Giants. Some sort of redesign there. Again, hit up Emily Morgan Creates. She redesigns a ton of NFL logos. Washington Commanders. Can't get it out of my head. It literally looks like a taco stand set up. It looks like that thing in your kitchen that you're going to sit your sit your taco shows in and build your taco from there. Commanders fans, I'm sorry. Eric Bieniemy. I hope like hell you get the head coaching job. I have no problem with Washington, but I need you to redesign your logo. The Lions, <laughs> the leaping, galloping, frolicking cat that's a baby blue lion that's outlined in white. <laughs> we could redesign that one. And then the Packers. It's just a G. It's literally just a G. Oh, Adam, well, the Saints logo is just a Florida Lee. You're right. Redesign that one, too. I know a lot of the logos have historic meanings to them. And the Browns just took that and put a magnifying glass on it. Literally, like, AX'd down. Like, quadruple times two down. To, I don't even know what the hell that word would be. But they just made the history in their logo that much deeper. They, and I've heard that the fan base is kind of Divided. I, I think it's sick though. I mean, it's or just brown helmets. No, now you get to have a logo. Yes, now you have to go buy a new jersey, all that. But that that that's the top five logo in the league, straight up. That's a top logo in the league. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. Multiple, multiple playing uh, times that they paid homage in that logo. Went over the specifics of it. And again, Niners, Giants, Commanders, Lions, Packers, Saints. Let's go. Let's get a redesign. What are you guys doing? You guys got someone inside your franchise that's redesigning logos? You guys got someone that's working? Uh, I'm sure you have someone that's working up concept art. Do you have a sweepstake go, sweepstakes going for a fan? Do you realize that fan bases out there do want their logos redesigned? 
I was happy as hell when the Browns did it. And again, if the Browns can do it, because they kind of need a new identity, right? Desperate team, desperate franchise, desperate quarterback contract, first ever fully guaranteed contract in NFL history. Maybe they need a new design, right? Need a new makeover. They want to put the Deshaun Kaiser, Baker Mayfield, Hugh Jackson, Johnny Manziel days behind them. The Cleveland Browns dropped their new logo, and I am pumped about it. And as we continue into the final segment of the show, I did promise you guys this season, this offseason, that I would be predicting every NFL team's 2023 win-loss record. So going to do some bootleg stuff here again and go ahead and get my screen pulled up so we can share it. Just got to sort all this out. Do 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 do. There we go. Boo do boo boo boo. There we go. All right. Let's see. And we're gonna take that down. And yes, we are. Boom. All right. Seattle Seahawks, twenty twenty three, NFL record prediction. Seahawks walk into the league with the twelfth hardest schedule in the NFL. If you don't know how the strength of schedule works, they take every team's record from last year, add it up. What's the win percentage of that? That's how they decide strength of schedule. Projected at eight and a half wins, which, you know, I felt like it was pretty attainable for Seattle. But when I went and looked back at the schedule, and, and forgive me, this is 32 teams I'm going through here. This is every team's win-loss record, home record, away record, division record, what they're doing against playoff teams, that they have touch stretches, trying to really give all the fan bases out there content. Because I love staying tapped in with every team I do, and the NFL every year is getting better. They are less... There are less and less bad teams every year. Yes, there's always going to be those bad teams. I mean, that's what makes up a league, right? That's how you separate the good from the great. But I got the Seahawks going nine and eight overall, six and two at home, three and six on the road, four and two in the division. They're going to sweep the Cardinals, split with the Niners, and split with the Rams. I originally had them going five and one in the division, only losing to the Niners one time and sweeping the Rams. Like I said earlier in the show, I wanted to have the Rams at less than seven wins when I'm going to be respectful. I'll even be more honest. It was, it was going to be less than five wins, but we'll stay with the San Francisco 49, or excuse me, Lord, the Seattle Seahawks. Three and one heading into the week five bye, and they got seven games against playoff teams. They're going to go two and five in this stretch, unfortunately. Dubs to the Niners and the Giants. Going to have losses to the Bengals, Ravens, Niners, Cowboys, and Eagles. And I think that's respectable. They don't have a better roster or team than the Bengals. They could beat the Ravens, but I believe the Ravens are bouncing back this year. They're going to split with the Niners. Um, The Cowboys, I want to say that's a game that's on the road. And the Eagles are the Eagles. Weeks 6 through 9 and weeks 12 through 17 are easily the toughest stretches of the season for Seattle. And I have them actually going, uh, I think it's 5-5 five and five in these pivotal games of the season. Or I said five and six, but I, I believe it's only 10 games, so forgive me. I, I might throw an extra team in there by accident. Get in the comments. Let me know where I mess that up. Wins to Arizona twice, Tennessee, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and San Francisco. Losses to San Francisco, the Ravens, the Bengals, the Browns, the Eagles, and the Cowboys, mentioning weeks six through nine and weeks 12, 12 through 17. Going to have them going five and six. They're playing seven games against playoff teams, two and five down that stretch. Now let's go over into the... San Francisco 49ers. What is this team going to be shaking with this year? Brock Purdy. No more Jimmy G. Trey Lance really needs to step into the spotlight now. Christian McCaffrey is there. 
and let's see what the San Francisco 49ers are going to do. And if I can get this pulled back up on my screen. All right, perfect. San Francisco 49ers. 15th hardest schedule in the league. So middle of the pack. Their schedule is average. Projected 11 and a half wins. I'm going to go just under here and I have them going 10 and 7. 6 and 2 at home, 4 and 5 on the road. 5 and 1 in the division, sweeping the Cardinals and the Rams, splitting with the Seattle Seahawks. They're going to be 5 and 3 heading into that week 9 bye. They're going to play 10 games against playoff teams this year and they're going to go 5 and 5 in these games. Wins to Seattle, the Vikings, the Giants and the Cowboys, losses to Cincinnati, Jacksonville, the Ravens, the Eagles and the Seahawks. I think that's completely fair completely valid weeks thrive excuse me weeks five through 14 pretty damn loaded seattle twice philadelphia minnesota cincinnati jacksonville cleveland dallas got him going three and six in this nine game stretch wins to bucks seattle and dallas all at home losses to all the other team niners fans get in the comments let me know how you're feeling about the 10 and 7 record prediction y'all projected at 11 and a half wins i'm going just under look i've got faith in kyle shanahan whether it's brock purdy it's more than likely going to be brock purdy right he's supposed to be good to go for the year trey lance still becomes a mystery trey lance still stays a mystery at this point in his nfl career at this point in the nfl And I hate that because Trey Lance was really an unpolished star. I mean, truly a Cam Newton, Josh Allen type of player. Cam Newton build Josh Allen consistency and actual play style. I know Cam had the MVP and went to the Super Bowl. We're still waiting on that from Josh, but I I think we all know that Josh Allen is the better quarterback. Niners fans, let me know what you think. Again, I trust Shanahan. I really trust that defense. I, if the Niners literally had Kirk Cousins, they could win a Super Bowl. They really could. I truly believe that. They could have won it with Jimmy G, but Patrick Mahomes pulled some magic. So this team has not really regressed too far off of that. Yes, they've lost Richard Sherman. He got cooked, though, in the Super Bowl, so it wasn't really a loss for them. They bring in Christian McCaffrey. Loved when they did that. Uh, You know, the Niners could definitely win more than 10 games this year, but looking at their schedule, got them going 10 and 7. Now, going to these Los Angeles Rams want to make sure I've got it zoomed in enough here for the people. There we go. Should be good. All right. Los Angeles Rams, 2023 NFL record prediction. They have the ninth hardest schedule in the league. They're projected at seven and a half wins. I've got the Rams with the exact same record that they did last year, five and 12. And the ninth hardest schedule with a bare offense, minimal defense outside of Aaron Donald, But you do have a good head coach in Sean McVay who, let's not forget, contemplated retiring this year. Your best offensive player in Matthew Stafford and your second best offensive player or really first in Cup, second in Stafford, however you want to look at it. They're both coming off injury. And yes, they're supposed to be healthy. They both had the great run. They won the Super Bowl. Iconic uh, quarterback wide receiver season. But they're still both coming off injury. We can't sit here and say that they're immediately going to go back to what they were. Because we don't know that. The NFL is so different from the two years ago that the Rams won the Super Bowl to now. Or two seasons ago by the time we we get into the season, which we're roughly about three months out from the season. But anyways, Rams are 5-12 and 12 overall this year. 3-5 and five at home, 2-7 and seven on the road. They're going to go 3-3 three and three in the division, sweeping the Cardinals, splitting with Seattle, and getting swept by the Niners. So two wins to the Cards and one win to Seattle. One loss to Seattle and getting swept by the Niners. Two and seven heading into the Week 10 bye. 
They got nine games against playoff teams this year. They're going to go one and eight. I think the only win really could be to Seattle right here. Going to be losses to everyone else. And outside of the two games against Arizona, every single game for the Rams is going to have their work cut out for them. And and that's okay, right? Like Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Sean McVay, they could easily stand up to the occasion. But with the slanted rosters and the just really how 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 unfair the rosters are built against each other and how things will just play out between the coaching matchups. I mean, again, McVay literally retire, uh, contemplated retirement. Two best offensive players are coming off injury. Jalen Ramsey's a dolphin. Ninth hardest schedule. I mean, again, again, outside of the two games against Arizona, every single game for the Rams is going to have their work cut out for them. I mean, look, Seattle, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Philly, Arizona, Pittsburgh, Dallas, Green Bay, bye. Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, Baltimore, Washington, New Orleans, New York Giants, San Francisco 49ers. It's tough. It's tough for the Rams, but not as tough, (laughs) unfortunately, as it's going to be for the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals, oh, man. I hope Kyler comes back sooner rather than later. I really do. Because I have a lot of respect for Kyler. A lot of respect for Kyler. I love Kyler's game. I, you know, I, I say all the time I want to buy his jersey. I love what he did with D-Hop. I love what he's done for the Cardinals. Yes, he hasn't been able to stay healthy later in the year. And yes, he hasn't been able to, you know, really take them far in the playoffs like he wanted. Yeah, it was a 7-0 start. But after that, it was rough. You know, they go, uh, what do they end up going? 11 and six in the season. So they go four and six down the stretch. It was tough. Yeah. We like the 11 and six record that shaved, saved Kingsbury job for one year. But after that, no. So the Cardinals have the 11th hardest schedule. They're projected at five and a half wins. And before I got into the overall record and the home record and the away record, I just said, look, best case scenario, Kyler's coming back. Um, you know, best case scenario, he's going to come back to start of the season. Not even best case scenario. The earliest he could absolutely come back would be start of the season. Kyler's small. He's swole, but he's small in terms of height. He doesn't weigh a lot because he's not very, you know, just not a big guy. Um, Damn. Where was I going with that? Lord, why does this happen? And it always has to happen on the podcast. <sighs> Something about Kyler Murray. Oh, yes. I mean, I've, I've, I've loved Kyler's game, right? Really do. Best case scenario that Kyler is going to – realistic, most realistic best case scenario Kyler is going to come back is November. I think take more than nine months, split the difference of nine to 12 months for an ACL recovery so we can go 10 and a half, maybe 11. So even if he comes back in November um, – damn, it doesn't have the dates on here. But I want to say the November comeback was going to be around week 11 or 12. And I know if he came back in December, he would only have the final five games, which is Pittsburgh, San Fran, Chicago, Philly, and Seattle. The Arizona Cardinals could really only win maybe one to three games this year, realistically. And it's just because of how bare this team's going to be. I mean, defensive-minded rookie head coach, Kyler Murray's coming off of an ACL injury. He's not going to be the same when he comes back. DeAndre Hopkins has been released. There's been talks about Buda Baker who's an elite safety in this league. There's only four possible wins on this schedule. 
Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, and Washington. I could seriously see the Cardinals going winless this year or firing their coach in the middle of the season. And I hate that. The Cardinals were just on a great trajectory. Kyler could have won MVP that year. They could have played in the NFC Championship. I mean, people thought they were going to win it all because they did look that good because the Cardinals really were playing that style of football at that point in the NFL season. But now that's not the case. Now the roster is looking bare. Yes, they have. Well, not even looking bare. They have James Conner. They have Rondell Moore. They have Marquise Brown. They have players that they can really plug in and make a formidable offense with it. Hell, they just did it a couple seasons ago with Kyler. But when you're talking about a defensive-minded rookie head coach, luckily for them, they're in the NFC because it's a very, very weak you know, conference. I don't believe they're going to be good enough to beat Atlanta. Chicago's got too much steam under them. I could see them beating Houston and maybe Washington because of how just they're still building things up. But again, I mean, I'm going to take Ron Rivera and probably D'Amico Ryans over Jonathan Gannon. I'm going to take CJ Stroud over whatever quarterback's playing in place of Kyler Murray. Someone maybe even take CJ Stroud over Kyler Murray for the rest of time because Kyler Murray's coming off of an ACL injury. And then we have the offensive creativity of... Eric Bieniemy, who again will be that head coach once Ron Rivera gets fired. But I mean, let's just let's look at it, guys. Washington at Washington, maybe that's a win. I can see that being a loss though. But that is a winnable game. Giants lost, Dallas lost, Niners lost, Bengals lost. Maybe they could beat the Rams, but I believe the Rams are just—it's going to be a coaching mismatch at that point. Even if it's literally only Cup, McVay, and Stafford, they can beat them. The Rams can beat the Cardinals. Seattle lost, Baltimore lost, Cleveland lost, Atlanta, maybe, Houston, maybe, Rams lost, Pittsburgh lost, bye week, Niners lost, Chicago, maybe, but they have too much hype, I think that's a loss, Philadelphia, definitely a loss, Uh, Seattle, that's a loss, I hate it, I absolutely hate it, I don't want the Cardinals to go winless, sorry Cardinals fans, I cheaped out on the video there, but Again, it's only four possible wins on this schedule. Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, and Washington. Maybe they could steal one from the Rams. I don't see it. Atlanta's got a crazy roster on both sides of the ball now. It's really all on Desmond Ritter and Arthur Smith. I could see that being better than whatever replacement for Kyler Murray and a rookie head coach. Chicago, Matt Eberflus, Justin Fields is going to uh, you know boom out this year. DJ Moore is there. The defense has been built. Houston had a great draft, and Washington could be offensively creative. 11th hardest schedule, projected at five and a half wins, definitely going under. Cardinals are winning no more than three games this year. Hate to say it, really hate to say it, because it was one of my favorite teams in recent memory. Again, loved what Kyler brought to the table. Cardinals fans, you get in the comments. Let me know, what's your home record? What's your away record? How are you really feeling? Did you get a kick out of this? Because I didn't actually go through the schedule prediction. I just said, this is what's actually going to happen. Only four possible wins on the schedule. Atlanta, Chicago, Houston, Washington. I know I've said it a few times, but I mean, that's that's really all the points that you're going to have with the Arizona Cardinals. That was episode 28 of the NFL with AJL. Let's get out of here. Appreciate you guys for tapping into the NFL with AJL episode 28. We chopped it up about Dalvin Cook getting cut. We heard about DeAndre Hopkins visiting the Titans, visiting the Patriots, 
NFC West record predictions are done. Podcast will be out tomorrow. You know the content will be rolling as well. Please make sure to like the stream and share it before we get out of here. Subscribe on YouTube. The QR code that I just put back on the screen. Scan that for every bit of the NFL with AJL content. Get in the chat, get in the comments before we get out of here at the NFL with all, or excuse me, at the NFL with AJ on all social media platforms. DM, follow, like, subscribe, leave us a review on podcast platforms. If you're a content creator, get at me. I love supporting people in the community. Episode 29 is up next. Maybe looking to have a guest. We'll definitely have AFC West record predictions. This off-season content has to get creative, but we're keeping it flowing on. As I always say, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. I need you guys because without the support, the channel wouldn't be what it is. And I know I wouldn't have the good energy for my people out there pushing me on to do the podcast. Episode 28 of the NFL agent. Excuse me, Lord. Y'all gonna laugh at that outro. Episode 28 of the NFL with AJL. Episode 29 coming up next. We out.